Welcome to It Doesn't Look Good. I'm your host, Tim. This week, I had the pleasure of talking with my friend Townsend. You might recognize her name from the live stream we did a few weeks ago where we discussed grief and some of the tools that we can use to deal with it. Or you might recognize her name because she's an accomplished singer-songwriter from here in our hometown of Conway, Arkansas. Today, she's going to share with us how the loss of a dear friend and his legacy encouraged her to start a movement called You're Not Alone Project, as well as finally releasing that album that they had always talked about. So without further ado, here's the episode. Thanks for having me on. What an honor. Uh, thanks to Charles, I guess, for introducing us, right? Yeah. What a cool guy. Yeah, he's all I won't right. say anything bad because we're on the air, but <laughs> I'm kidding. So my name is Townsend. I am a singer-songwriter from Central Arkansas. I do have a full-time job, which is therapy. I'm a speech therapist. I work with geriatrics, um, but music is also full-time. So I've been playing music for as long as I can remember. When I was younger, like high school and junior high, I played in a a punk rock band. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. I'm really hoping no one finds videos of it. You don't look like a punk rocker. I Oh, I was all in. Is there maybe some grunge involved or just straight? No, it's definitely garage band. Yeah? If you could make Blink-182 sound worse than they do live and make them about 20 years younger that was us let's hope blink 182 never hears no, this. they're fantastic i'm a huge fan but live just like anybody not else, great they get wild oh, okay yes uh so my singer the singer of that band uh was obsessed with blink 182 and okay dress like them that is hair like them and so all of our songs sounded just like that and it was, wow. the, it was the best time anyway so the punk rock band lasted through high school I came to college at UCA, go Bears. Yeah. Uh, that was more like a cat. That wasn't sounded it? like a cat. <laughs> 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 go Bears. <laughs> so we, now I'm totally off topic. They, I was in a sorority, Alpha Sigma Alpha. Okay. And a little, little shout out there. You don't have to add that. So Alpha was, Sigma Alpha. That was it. So I was in a sorority. I don't know anything about yeah, the sorority okay. or like, fraternities in UCA. No, not at all. Okay. So I was in a sorority, and they put me in this pageant where they pick one girl, maybe two, from the sorority to represent the whole sorority. It's a big deal, in case yeah. you don't know. Uh, very, very nervous. And so you had to do like a formal wear, um, grossly enough, a bathing suit wear, all that stuff. And you okay. have a talent. You have a talent. And so As I, beauty pageants do. As beauty pageants do. Had no idea what to do. The only thing I knew was I could play guitar and I could do a medley of rap songs. Okay. Doesn't that sound what, like a pageant? Can you do a like a sample? Yeah, I totally did the. I don't know what that is. I think part of it was "Look Me Like a Lollipop." And oh, got I you. I did something like "Riding Dirty," the old school rap songs. Yeah. And a pageant. And for old school for like two thousand six. <laughs> Right now, 2020, it's old school rap. Um, before we knew who Malone was, post Malone. Yeah. So I did that, and I'm certain I blacked out. I don't remember anything about it. It was the first like time. Like blacked out, passed out, like no, or no, just no. don't like, remember. Do not recall. Okay. Do not recall at all because of nerves. I was already nervous enough. I had never sang or played in front of people before, other than a couple of friends, and they heard me, so they signed me up for this talent. Oh wow! So that was the first time. Thanks, guys. 
thanks for nothing. No, I guess I owe him a lot. Yeah, thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. Gosh, <laughs> if, if this is you, reach out. Let me thank you with a high five because we're all broke from COVID. So yeah. we, we'll see what happened after that. We did the pageant, and from there, I mean, it was hundreds of people. From that night, I got calls and messages wanting to hire me for different gigs. Yeah, different gigs. Like birthday parties or well no like <laughs> greek events which is oh that's real huge cool events, yeah uh, on campus so tons of people hundreds of people so i never started super small like it yeah no just that's just off. like from pageant to yeah. just like the biggest thing you yeah, could probably do in much. sorority life for sure pretty much so i would do it for all the sororities and fraternities and play shows and they wanted they liked the rap stuff and the pop stuff so i did a right, bunch of covers yeah, sure provided entertainment and then it went from there and then uh, somebody, I guess I would have played something like that. And I guess he heard me play at one of the Greek things. That that would be the only way. Who's he? My friend Terrence. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, I'm going to go into how we introduced each other. Okay. So I was at home. He messages and he says, hey, I love your music. I would really like to start a band. And I'm like, what? Who is this? Yeah. Nobody knows. I've never heard of him. Nothing. So I creep through his pages and I'm like, this guy's massive. Like he's tall. It just, it's just funny. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you creep on people. Sure. And well, I'm yeah. Me all the time. Immediately. Absolutely. You're <laughs> kind of weird, new. but it's cool. Uh, where do they go to school? Yeah. Where do they work? Who are their friends? Exactly. Mutual friends. Who do we know Who do in we know? common? Yes. Thanks, Facebook. Absolutely. Um, maybe they'll pay you for this podcast. Maybe. maybe. Not sponsored, but <laughs> one hint, day hint, maybe. Hint, hint. So he reached out to me on Facebook. I stalked his page and I thought, you know what? YOLO. You only live once. Yeah. I'm 17, Because you're 18. 17, 18 year old. Yeah. It was That's... the middle of the night. It was like, I just remember being pitch black. So it probably would have been 11, 12 o'clock. And I remember getting my guitar and knocking on my roommate because we lived in a little rent house at college. Sure. Knocked on my roommate's door and I said, if you don't hear from me from in an hour, call me because I'm going to a stranger's <laughs> house. And yeah. if I don't make it out, call the cops. And this was before Find My Friends and all this that stuff. This was way so. before that. <laughs> uh, my phone may or may not even had text. I'm not even sure. So they were like, um, okay, okay. So Are I you went. sure this is Are a good idea? Sure? <laughs> there Maybe was no talking me out of it. I should come with you. Tim, there's no talking me out of it. So I threw my guitar on my shoulder, hopped in my car, went to the stranger's house. He came to the door, and it was instant connection. He lived in, um, I can't remember the name of the house. It was like the White House or something. But it was this huge house that had tons of guys. They were all musical that lived together. Uh, was it a like a fraternity, or was it just like no, these no, are no. just guys these that are just musical jam guys together? That hang out, yes. So it's, it's just like, a mythical house yeah, in the I middle of I literally was going to say, it's like town. heaven, <laughs> full of fleas, and it was gross. But... I think we have a different definition of heaven, but... <laughs> the, the people in it were so cool, but sure. it was disgusting. I get that. It, it actually got torn down like, oh, a few years ago. That's I, how bad I, it was. The way you described it, I can mm -hmm. believe that. Yes. Uh, we So, I just to... You're talking about the White House and being heaven and all of that stuff. I was a student pastor at a church here in town, and we used to meet at this house over near UCA, the, the campus. The, yeah, the greenhouse. I've been there. Okay, so I they haven't torn it down yet, but I'm sure it's not far behind the White really? House. 
It's pretty rough. It was but so I nice saw that place as heaven because that's where we got to meet every week and yeah. got to love on students. And it was a lot of fun, really cool place to be. Had a cool energy, even though, like you said, that place had fleas. This place had rats. <laughs> yes. So we actually have a, I have a video of uh, all of the guys pretending that they found the rat and like running out scared and throwing it on the girls. It was just an empty That's box, yeah. but it was a fun, fun video to make yeah. nonetheless because they all screamed and freaked out. Absolutely. So, so heaven might be the wrong term to use. However, when I showed up, he came outside as an instant connection. The guys in the house were super cool. I have no idea if they really lived there or not, but just laid back. Sure. Very, very welcoming. That's kind of the college guy thing, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you just crash wherever you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. So they welcomed me in just like family, and we hit it off from there. So from that night on, I did not get kidnapped, by the way. Oh, that's good to in know. In summary, that did not happen. Mm-hmm. It's been 10 years. I'm here. I found my way yeah. back from the White House. So we started a band. Uh, he drummed. I played guitar and sang. We recruited. This is Terrence drummed. This is Terrence. This is Terrence. Okay. Terrence played drums. We recruited guitar player, bass player. I played guitar and sang, which again was my first attempt to do this. I usually sat behind the drums, and I would play and sing for Terrence, and he was the biggest motivator and supporter I've ever had. Yeah. I would, Tell me about that. Like, what is his kind of demeanor or like his what made you feel like he was motivating you like was it just stuff he said or like how did that work it was just different sometimes I don't know it's hard to explain I'm sure you can relate somewhere in your life outside of music but when you play a show and you're kind of just the background noise and people are like oh yeah yeah it was good it's a compliment for sure but then Terrence if I'm playing, his attention was on me. If sure. I said I wrote a new song, he always, well, let me see the lyrics. Let me read them. And as a musician, that's so vulnerable. Yeah. So vulnerable because I'd never let anybody read my stuff. And I remember he wanted a printed copy, so he knew what I said. And he would go read it by himself. And he would come back and just be like, he'd say things like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, you're so good. We have to do that. We have to do American Idol. We have to do this. We have to do that. <laughs> and he'd always talk about emailing American Idol and getting me on that show Yeah. every year. Every year. So, That's great. Yeah, it was, it was just different. There was a connection there. You know, since then, I've met a lot of other musicians, and one person told me, in your lifetime as a musician, you meet one person that is your compadre, your musical compadre. And it's just somebody that you vibe with. When you start jamming, they jam, and it's like smooth as butter. Yeah. And that is hard to find. It's kind of like soulmates. You, Some people work, but some people just vibe together yeah. really well. And that's what he was. So mm-hmm. from day one, I called him my security blanket. He called himself the black sheep because <laughs> uh, he loved my family, and we loved him, and... So we played music for, gosh, I bet it was probably nine years. Uh, We were together frequently. If we weren't together, we were texting, talking about music. Like I said, he wanted to go all the way with music. He thought we could make it famous. So he's not only motivating you as far as like writing and and your musical talent, but also just going, hey, like we could do this. Like this could actually be like you're not in your punk rock garage band anymore yes. this is for real we yes. could we could get things done yes so tell me about him as a person for a little bit i mean 
obviously you're spending a lot of time together doing music and stuff like that, but that's just a portion of like what a friendship is. So yeah. tell me about who he was, you know, as a, as your friend. Yeah. So a lot of people have actually asked me if we dated because yeah. I talk so highly of him. We did sure. not date. Oh, it was, he was like a brother. We were, we were just that close. We had that kind of a connection. Sure. He was, you can ask anybody. Music was his life. Art was his life. He loved photography. He loved church. He was involved in a lot of the churches around here, just kind of bouncing around. He wanted to know everybody. He knew more people than I could ever imagine. You know how like people have 4,000 Facebook friends, but really know 20. Sure. He had 4,000 Facebook friends and knew 4,000 people personally. Like just ridiculous. That's crazy. Yes. So I think he the, just, he's the guy that when you're with him out in public, he yes. talks to everyone because like, he knows everyone. Yes. And then you just kind of sit back and watch them talk. And then when that person leaves, you're going, hey, man, hey. could have introduced me yeah. and I would have had a new Facebook <laughs> yeah, friend. <laughs> right. I need more <laughs> likes, Terrence. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, yes. Everywhere we went, uh, he would chat with other people and just very, very charismatic guy. Yeah. Just a nice guy. When you talked to him, you knew he was listening and but the funny part was he would just make up so much stuff as far as the band he'd be like I, i'm calling simon cal and i'm getting you i'm like you are not calling simon cal what are you talking about you don't even know simon cal and he's like no but i am but i am and he'd always post on our facebook our band's facebook and stuff like it it's going down we're coming out with a new album i'm like no we're not we don't even have songs just he was so hopeful and yeah he knew we're going to make it, and this is what it is. Yeah, so if uh, he had ever taken an Enneagram test, he'd probably be a seven then, huh? Y- yes. That's the yeah. enthusiastic. Yes, Yeah. probably, now that I think about it. I've never put him on the Enneagram, but I bet you're right. That's it. I only know because that's what I am, and I get more excited about the prospect of something than I do actually doing it. Yes. So it kind of sounds like that's, that's his, him. oh, man, we're coming out with an album, and we, really, we have nothing. Yeah, so, it's yeah. the idea. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I love that. That's the yeah. way, that's exactly how I operate. I can talk about something in the future tense as if it's coming out next yeah. week and be so pumped about it when, in reality, I've done zero work <laughs> on it so far. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a six, which is more, like, realistic, and so I felt like we balance. I would always, I'd have to get on him because he'd say he called all these people and be like, listen, I need you to tell me for real who you've talked to because I can't keep up. (laughs) So I feel like we balanced each other really well. Mm. Uh, He kept me dreaming and kind of just having fun. Because speaking of sixes, like my Enneagram, I like for things to be planned. I like them to be organized. And I don't dream, but I work my butt off to get there. Sure. You know? And he dreams. So I'll do the work and we'll try to get there. So it's just the perfect team. So he is, is your biggest motivator. He's Mm -hmm. sounds like motivating himself to maybe work on some new stuff and get stuff going. And he wants to call Simon Cowell and just get the whole thing rolling. So tell me about all of that. Keep going. So he was a dreamer. Like I yeah. said, and he had all these goals. He wanted to be a math teacher and he wanted to help kids and he wanted to tutor kids at the church to play drums and he wanted to play on every worship team on every church that was in Conway and he wanted us to be famous. So he was just a dreamer. Mm-hmm. And I never, in that nine years that we were friends, 
really saw him in a bad mood. I think he came to me one time worried about something and he was a huge Christian. So everything reverted back to God and his father's a pastor and sure. he he just grew up with those solid roots mm-hmm. and his family is amazing support. And so he was just a really solid guy. Yeah. To, just to describe him, to paint you a picture of Terrence. And so we would play shows, man, and I remember you can watch videos. I would always turn around if I got nervous and he'd be drumming to the song, but he could multitask and be like, you yeah. got it, you got it, you're good. And we'd just talk. That's like, awesome. I remember specifically shows that we would turn around and have conversations while we're playing, but he just had a way of calming me down. I, I knew that he was there for me and how much he believed in me and I knew he wasn't going to lie to me about it, you know? Yeah. Um, he invested himself and his time. There were, so fast forward a little bit, the band, the full band got to plan nonstop. Uh, and we got to the point in life where I could either go to grad school or pursue the full band. The other members, one of them got married and was looking at having a kid. One of them wanted to move out to Chicago to get a PhD. So it's just that transition in life where it's either you pursue it or you do the typical adult yeah. tasks. Yeah. And so we sat down and chatted and I decided, you know what I need to do because I'm a realist, right? Mm-hmm. I need to do grad school. Sure. So, got to have a plan. That's right. I got to have a plan. But through grad school, Terrence and I continued to play acoustic sets. So we did acoustic stuff all the time. And I would tell him, I don't need you to play. Like I can play the guitar and sing, but I need you on the stage with me. Yeah. You don't even have to bring a drum. You don't have to plug the mic in, but like I will pay you to sit beside me on stage. So yeah. literally he would drive from Little Rock up to Conway to go sit with me on a stage just to keep me company. Yeah. And so I would feed him dinner or things like that just to pay him back. And that's how much I felt like I needed him because he almost got me started in the music thing. Sure. And I felt like he was my root and my, my support system for that. And so going from there, just kind of fast forwarding a little bit, we did a lot of acoustic shows, super close. I started dating somebody pretty seriously. He got an adult job against his will, right? Who's that, Terrence or your boyfriend? Terrence. Terrence okay. got an adult job against his will, right? Yeah, sure. Because he wants to be famous. He has all right. these dreams. So, again, life happens. We don't see each other as much as we would like, but we still keep in touch. And I remember, and I only mention this because the timing is just impeccable. I just feel like God's timing is way better than ours we could ever imagine. Yeah. So I was so big. I would tell everybody, oh, Terrence is my security blanket. Terrence is my security blanket. Yeah. And I remember that would make some people I dated annoyed. It'd make them upset. Cause I could see why that. Why am I not? Yeah. But it's hard because for nine years, the same person believed in me. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. So just to kind of talk about y'all's relationship a little bit more and like, yeah. Um, we've talked about him being a Christian. We know that you're a Christian. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like as him being your motivator and your, like you said, your security blanket? What does that look like as far as y'all's relationship spiritually? Like, are y'all encouraging other and discipling one another and leading one another in a way that is really just kind of 
you know, hey, this is the gospel. Let's talk about it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think he was really good at always bringing God up and his plan. And he would always say, Ma, we got this. God got us. Yeah. And his family's big on that, too. They always, if you follow any of them on social media, they always say, God got this. God mm-hmm. got us. But at that time, we were so young and stupid. We didn't ever sit down and just talk about the Bible that I remember. You know, he kind of got me into New Life Church in Conway. He, okay. he went there. I went with him. Well, then he got invited to do a praise and worship band at a Baptist church in Conway. So at that time, we didn't go to the same church, but it would get brought up, like plans and things like that. But did we sit down and discuss the meaning of life and the Bible pages? No. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were pretty immature at that age. Yeah, but, just college students. Yeah. And, and sure. he, he actually... It went on mentoring young kids at the church yeah. and teaching them how to play drums and all of that. So he for sure indulged and yeah, definitely serving out. the church and serving yes. God's oh, people and yes. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we kind of we went to separate churches and both kind of dove in different ways. Sure, but yeah, so our our relationship. I think the positivity and the light that he brought into the room is yeah. very apparent. Yeah. And he almost didn't have to talk about it. Yeah, it was you know? just that he was yeah. living it. He yes. didn't have yes. to say anything because Christ just emanated. Like radiated, from yes. yeah. So I want to throw this in just because it's a funny story. Sure. We would, in college, I had a couple of roommates that would stay with their boyfriends or family or whatever, and I lived pretty far from home, but I remember I hated staying by myself because the house, the doors would open and they wouldn't lock a typical rent house for a college kid. Can't afford very much. Yeah. And I would call Terrence and be like, could you please come sleep on the couch? Like, I don't want to be here by myself. Yeah. So he'd come over as annoying as that is. He'd sleep on the couch. And I have told his family multiple times because it still just makes me laugh and makes me happy to think about at like five in the morning, early, early, we're college kids, right? He would wake up. I could hear him whistling praise and worship songs and yeah. singing, and my dryer would start, and the shower would start. And I thought, what is he doing? And then he'd leave, and I'd get up, and my house would be cleaner than when I left oh, it. Oh, wow. He would, like, do the laundry, clean up, make the bed perfectly that he didn't sleep in, yeah. make sure the couch was done, the cushions were up. Anyway, just that kind of—it was 5 in the morning. Nobody was watching him. He yeah. could have been— who knows what, and he's singing a gospel song and whistling and cleaning yeah. my house. Like, it just, I feel like that paints a great picture of him. Yeah, it does. Absolutely does. It, it sounds like he was definitely full of joy and yeah. just um, the the gifts of the Spirit seem to be something that he lived out on a daily basis, yeah. just the little bit that you've told us about him so far. So why don't we move forward a little bit and tell us about the whole tragedy of it all the the, it doesn't look good moment yeah it doesn't look good this is where it all comes crashing so earlier I mentioned we kind of all made adult decisions I started dating somebody pretty seriously he got an adult job which wasn't going on tour with a band sadly but I remember one night me and the guy I was dating got in a pretty big argument and we didn't want to hang out and I thought of course you're frustrated and you're just like, oh, whatever. And so I text Terrence and it'd been a while. 
I was like, you know what? I'm frustrated. I would love to just have a night to jam, play guitar. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We both ended up being free, which was crazy in itself. Yeah. So we met up. I brought my guitar. Um, we'd just gotten garage band on the laptop. Yeah, okay. so it was, was going to be a good time. He got his little drum out. We recorded songs. And we laughed and played music all night. I mean, it was it was just the best time. Mm-hmm. And the song we recorded that night, we'd never played it before. It was uh, the Cup song. Have you heard uh, yes. that? I'm gonna From miss like you when you're gone. Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it talks about I'm gonna miss you when you're gone and all this stuff. So I left that night, not thinking anything about it. And a couple of days later, I mean, it wasn't two days later. I get a call from his family saying that he had gotten in a really bad car wreck on his way to work. Mm-hmm. So it had been six, seven in the morning. I don't know the details of what happened because like I said, his family is just big Christian family. And the first thing they said when we went to visit was we don't care what happened. You know, if we don't care yeah. if it was their fault, we're never going to press charges or anything. Sure. So they just kind of let that be. So he got in this huge wreck. It was all over the news. It shut down the interstate for pretty much the whole day. Mm-hmm. People were wondering who it was up in Conway, and he worked in Little Rock. So we went down and visited me and our other really close friends with him, mutual friends. And his family was just happy and gave us hugs and super hopeful. And they said, you know what? It, it God got us. It'll be fine. It's yeah. So we, we thought, okay, okay. Well, then they asked if we wanted to see him. We'd been there a long time. So this was actually January, I believe it was January 14th of 2016. And mm-hmm. so we went in. We were not thinking too bad. The family said we could go see him, but the doctor said, but he's in a medically induced coma because he had some brain swelling. He had some other things happen, and we need to measure some levels and some rates and things like that so you can go see him but you can't make any noise and you can't touch him Mm -hmm. and that was the first moment of it doesn't look good yeah you know for me and i remember walking in you can only go in one at a time and they led me back it was like the icu he had his own little area and the two walls the little curtains that pull up yeah. And he was back there. I couldn't get too close. I couldn't say anything. And it just, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, there were tubes everywhere. He was intubated. He, it, it didn't look like the happy-go-lucky Terrence I knew. Yeah. And so in that moment, yeah. just as far as hope goes, where are you at? Oh, gosh, devastated. Yeah. And I just thought, I just remember sitting there having a conversation with him in my head because I can't talk out loud and just thinking this can't be real yeah because I mean at that time he would have just turned 28 I was 26 and when you're that age you're invincible you know? right and it, it was like my spirit was crushed but still in the back of my head I knew it would be fine and I walked so out so you, you were hopeful you were devastated but well, you were you had hope in that moment, it looked terrible. But when we came out, his family was his family was hopeful. So hopeful. They were it, keeping yeah. us together. Sure. As wild as that is, and his mom and his dad and his sisters and 
brother and all of them were just wrapping us up and loving on us and are you okay and are yeah. of course is the worst question you can ask because you hold it together until somebody says are you okay? sure like, yeah. oh, I don't know. so <laughs> i know exactly what yeah you mean. so because of their positivity i found myself more hopeful and so actually we had talked about it when we met and my dates were a little bit off but so that was the 14th i believe we went and visited I checked on him every single day, called up there, and the next couple of days he did show progress. And the family was saying they're taking it, they're lowering his oxygen intake, trying to get him to breathe air on his own. It looks good. The swelling's gone down. Everything looked good. Yeah. So now, like your hope now, level is starting to rise again. I'm a thousand percent. Even more than what his family kind of yes. gave you hope in in the waiting room there after you saw him. Yes, I'm a thousand percent thinking, oh, he'll be. He's going to recover for recovery. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And. I thought it's a medically induced coma, so they did that to check sure. things. Totally fine. And I specifically remember reaching out to someone at my church and wanting to meet for coffee, telling them about what happened, and word for word said, but don't worry, he'll be fine. It's not a big deal, but it's just really scary. I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. So we meet for coffee, we talk about other things, and on the 20th, so not even a week later. Like I said, check on him every day. Everything looks great. Every day's a little bit better. I walk in from a long day at work, literally walk in the living room, and one of my best friends texts me and says, I hate to say this, but we've lost our friend due to kidney failure. And I will never forget that moment, which I know everybody that has a traumatic moment's the same. Yeah. I, lost it I just hit my knees and Mm -hmm. thought this cannot be real we're 20 like what I knew he would be fine I just told my friend it would be okay yeah and so we all talk about how surreal it is and how it's almost an out-of-body experience and you're witnessing it happening to someone else while it's actually happening to you so I can I can kind of relate to that just how the strangeness of going through something that traumatic and just it's like I said it's just it's almost like you're you're watching it happen even though you're experiencing it so it's a it's definitely a a strange strange thing so yeah I've never felt a feeling like that it felt like everything completely left and I, I remember thinking I read it wrong that's wrong I read it wrong so I picked up the phone called Brent one of my other best friends and I said surely I'm reading that wrong right and he's like no it's like you're kidding me no way so we hopped in the car immediately went down to the hospital to visit it was just his family (laughs) me those couple of guys that we had texted and kept in touch with and yeah it was the worst night ever I mean it was just like you said it was surreal his family kept it together so well I felt so selfish for hurting because they're not hurting and why should why should I hurt they're not hurting I should be loving on them but instead they're hugging me and 
I mean, but they were hurting. Son. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he gave a word. We went down to the chapel at the church. He gave a word and thanked God for showing Terrence Who, his way home. Who's he? His, his dad. dad. Oh, wow. His dad. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing a tear come out of their eye. Yeah. I mean, it was just the wildest. I just, in that moment, you have no idea what to do. Yeah. And we stayed there forever. I mean, it felt like. Do you think that maybe they were putting on a brave face or was it more of just like, hey, Lord, just give us strength to get through this. And then once everyone is, you know, kind of gone home. Yeah then we're going to mourn. Yeah. You think it was something like that? I think with time, they've been a little more open about it. I, sure. I keep in touch with them frequently. I honestly think they were hopeful. Yeah. I think they thought he would make it. I think it was they're tired. Mm-hmm. They want to put on a brave face. And sure. they want to be joyful. Yeah. And I think it was surreal. Yeah. I think it hadn't hit yet. Gotcha. And so they were all fine that night. Yeah. However, with time, even now, I mean, that's been four years ago, and yeah. they still are emotional about it a little bit. Just they're a little more verbal about how they're doing things like you are. Like they started a nonprofit, and they're just working their grief out. Yeah. You know? They want to make a good legacy for him. Sure. So tell me, you said legacy. Let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. So moving forward from obviously that awful night when you got yeah. that text into kind of the next area would be his legacy yeah. and then kind of how that's being lived out today through you, through your music, and just all of that. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. So like I said, he was my rock, my security blanket. That's what I called him the whole nine years. And it was like something was completely ripped out of me, which Mm -hmm. I I know my story is nowhere near like yours, but I know you can relate. Yeah. I mean, everybody's pain is is relative and definitely relevant. So yeah, I I can definitely relate to what you're saying for sure. It was like, I remember the night we went to the hospital, I went to work immediately afterwards, never went to bed, walked into work at 8 a.m. that morning and acted like nothing happened because I didn't want to feel my feelings. Yeah. I wanted to sweep them under the rug. I didn't want anyone to know I was hurting because you got to be strong, you know? Um, But anyway, so after that day, I mean, it was like that day music wasn't a part of me anymore. I didn't want to listen to the radio. I have a music room set aside with the drum that he played all the time with my guitar and I didn't step foot in that room yeah. and I didn't want to, I had no desire. And it's not that I wanted to cry when I went in there, just nothing, I felt nothing. And about a year afterwards, after you go through all these phases of feelings, I guess, I felt I needed to write a song and I felt this song and once you get that, you have to get it out. So I, I go in the music room, pick up my guitar and I write the song in about five seconds called Show Me Home. Yeah. And it was therapeutic. It was almost like euphoric writing that song. And it was about him. And it discusses just going through this hard time and losing the person that kept me strong and kept my faith strong. What it felt like to lose that. And that. So, what is it in the song that, if you could choose for somebody to to get the message of the song, what is it that that message would be? 
Um, so for me, it's kind of like a metaphor. So the whole song is talking about finding your way back home. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was, I needed him. The lyrics are that my eyes are closed and I wanted him to open them for me. My legs wouldn't work, so he needed to be my legs and I needed him to show me back home. And so for me, what that stood for was, you know what, I'm tired of sweeping this under the rug and I wanna use you and the remembrance of you to find my way back to who I was. Yeah. Um, Because I had totally lost myself in that. I had lost him and that song just, you know what, I'm gonna put the pain it's still there. You can't get rid of it, but I'm going to switch it to a positive. And I decided from that moment, I'm going to write a CD. You know, Terrence and I in college, our goal was to get a CD done, like a legit CD, but we didn't have money. We had like five cents in our account and sometimes not even that. We had fleas in the house, right? right? The house that got torn (laughs) down later. So we had no money. Didn't have adult jobs yet. Yes. No, no, no. Even when we first started having adult jobs, it's thousands of dollars to record. Sure. So, our goal, and we had talked about it till the day he passed, we're going to get a legit CD, we're going to pay whatever it is, and split it, and just to have it under our belt was a goal we, we wanted to accomplish. So that day on, I wrote that song, and I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to save my money, yeah. I'm going to write this CD, I'm going to record it at a legit studio, and I'm going to do it all for him. He would have wanted that. He would not have wanted me to have ignored my music room. The guy that supported me and told me how good I was. Yeah, just I could just away. imagine. You know, earlier you talked about him sitting behind you and being a good multitasker and drumming, and all the while looking at you yeah. wide eyed and going, "Hey, you got this. Yeah. You can do it." And I can just imagine him yeah. doing that, and or just I don't know. Maybe you pictured yeah. that. Maybe you didn't. But just him That's drumming cool. and going, "Hey, you can make this scene. Yeah. You can do this. You can make it happen." Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I partnered with Capital View Studios and Little Rock. We put the CD together with an amazing artist, and we had a CD release song. Um, and it was in 2018. 2018, we had a CD release, and it was packed. We had to yeah. turn people away at the door. That's awesome. Yeah, and his whole family showed up. Some of them flew in from out of state. Oh, and wow. It was, it in itself was the coolest moment I've ever experienced yeah. ever we I remember we ended the show the last song we played was show me home oh, and on wow. the album I'd like to play it for you here in a little bit sure. but on the album I called his family in to sing the chorus of show me home with me and so the song goes all the way through it fades out and then it comes back in with just a violin mm-hmm. and me singing and his family singing show me home and I mean it's been two years and I can't listen to it without just hey, this coolest moment. Yeah. And so I got to live that out loud, you know? So I started it, played the song, it ended. I told everybody, I want you to sing it with me. These are the lyrics, just a show me home. The violinist played and the whole room packed shoulder to shoulder, quiet, said, show me home. Yeah. And it was, there was not a dry eye in the in the building it was the coolest memorial that's awesome yeah yeah yeah. so it's almost therapeutic that sounds exactly you know that sounds kind of kind of exactly like what it was was a memorial to to who he was you know he talked about all those years ago 
hey, we've got our album coming out. Yeah. You didn't have anything <laughs> no, yet. Didn't. Well, it finally came out and came out to a packed house. And, yeah, and of people that loved him. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. So you said you wanted to play it for us. Yeah. You can do that now. So that's his family singing that. Yes, yeah. They came in, like I said, some of them flew in from out of state. We set up a mic in the middle of the studio. Mark got us all gathered around and sang it together, and it was it was amazing. That's so cool. Thank you. And then you got to kind of debut that to a crowd full of people mm-hmm. singing it all together and just remembering him and yeah. his legacy. And you're continuing to do music. Even now, you've got a new album out. Yeah. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So from that night, I like to say Terrence got me into music the first time because I sure. definitely wouldn't have had the guts to do it. And I give him, I guess, the credit for getting me into music the second time. Sure. I did the yeah. CD. And again, luck and God and Terrence, I didn't have to do much work at all. I mean, it's a lot of work, but people started reaching out again. Yeah. which it's hard to get that chance the first time, much less the second time. So people started reaching out again. I've been playing nonstop. That's 2018. So basically for two years straight, I've been booked solid. Wow. And it's it's completely different. I feel like every show means a lot more. I don't take it for granted. I've released a lot of songs, a lot of them still about him and that experience and just going through grief and how to cope with it. And yes, I actually have... It's not a full album, but a single called Can't Travel, and it's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all that stuff. So, Gotcha. Yeah, I would love if people listen to it, but it discusses learning through that process that I wanted to do things on my own, and I thought, I got this, like I said, sweep things under the rug, and coming to the realization that you can't travel alone and you don't want to do it that way. Yeah. So it just talks about how, you know what, I can't do, I can't do this by myself. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do it by myself. And again, it ties in the lyrics, show me home because I'm done. Like I'm throwing the towel in. I need people because you and I touched on this a little before, but I became really bitter towards people. Yeah. And during that year of no music and things like that, and just coming to the realization that, I was in the wrong mindset yeah. and that you don't need to go through. It's not meant to be handled alone. 
Yeah. So as we're we're going to wrap up here pretty quick, but you know, you touched on that mindset and you know, feeling like you're alone and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And you had told me about you started the You're Not Alone project. So tell us what that is and yeah. how people can be involved with that and what you guys do absolutely. or what you're doing with that project specifically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. So again, kind of touching on that, I felt like for a while I was going through it by myself which was totally my mindset but I wrote a song about that called watch the walls Mm -hmm. um, through somebody's advice of hey write down how you're feeling and I got so much feedback from that song just about how a lot of people feel that way and I had no idea you know you think you're the only one so all these people reached out and I took that and just made it into its whole project in itself and I want people to know that they're not alone you don't have to go through that alone I did that and it was a mistake you don't have to make the same mistake I did so I made bracelets that say you're not alone and on the other side it has my Instagram or Facebook handle on it because when people buy them I want them to look me up and I want them to reach out and if you don't have anybody I'll be that person I'll message you I'll check on you and just to serve as a daily reminder that God got you. You know, yeah. you're not alone. Yeah. And I've actually recently partnered with Fret Monkey and NAMI, which is a national organization for mental health. And I don't know what the future holds, but I'm hoping some cool things and uh, a percentage of the proceeds I make off of all this stuff, I'll donate to NAMI. And hopefully in the future, there'll be a lot more places that I can help support and donate. But yeah, I just want people to learn through my grief and just other people's people people shouldn't handle things alone absolutely that's you know the biggest motivator for me behind this podcast was I just felt like I had so many thoughts and just all of these emotions and feelings and things that I was experiencing after Caitlin died or even while she was still going through treatment that I just thought were the craziest thoughts and feelings and emotions that anyone could ever experience. I felt like there's no way in the world that other people had felt this way specifically and that I was a bad person or whatever for feeling these thoughts. And so I wanted to create a space for people to talk about, hey, this is a, a moment in my life where yeah, I had those thoughts too. And it's not crazy for you to think those things. Yeah. It's completely normal. So I think that the whole it's not uh, you're not alone project is such a noble project and just Thank something you. that you have used to not only help yourself grieve, but to give other people a way to grieve well, and then also to, to support the the nonprofit organizations that you support. Yeah. So tell us where we can buy those. So I take them with me to every show. You can, if you come to a show, snag a few. I love the idea. I've had a ton of people buy like 15 of them sure. and give them to other people. Yeah, that's awesome. And then they get to tell me those stories, which, oh gosh, it's so cool. So you can do that. I've got a website, www.townsandteamusic.com. You can buy them off of there. I've got a merch uh, section on there. Or reach out on Facebook or Instagram, and I've been mailing them or dropping them off to people weekly. So sure, 
any way you can get in contact with me, I can get them to you. Excellent. We'll have all yes, of your stuff you. in the show notes as well with links. So is there anything else that you would want to add or you? There, there were a couple of quotes I heard right before this podcast that I thought were really good for you. And I thought, I'm going to remember to tell Tim that. Okay. So one was, I read a whole book about, it's Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you know her, but she had a whole thing basically talking about how feelings are meant to be felt. Mm-hmm. And we sweep them under the rug and we've learned to put our best selves on Instagram and sure. make my life look great. And that's just not how it is. That's not how we're meant to function. And then right. I also heard a quote from Maya Angelou that says, every storm runs out of rain. Yeah. And I think people just have to keep that in mind when you feel alone and you feel dark. Cause like even with Terrence, it's been four years and it hasn't gone away. It's still there. The time in between the moments of sadness yeah. or longer sure but the storm will run out of rain it's not always going to be a bad day although it feels like you're stuck in that for a long time yeah. so i heard those things and wanted to share them with you yeah that's great that's awesome thank yeah. you and i just wanted to say thank you for doing this oh gosh uh, absolutely. i know it's taken us a little bit of time to make it happen COVID. But yeah it's gosh. crazy weird time to be alive it is weird you know ironically enough it's a perfect time for you're not alone yeah for sure absolutely yeah but yeah like i said thank you uh, again for doing this and we will make sure that we have links to everything so so people can find you on facebook and instagram and your website and, and when your next show is thanks again to townsend for being on the show If you would like more information about the You're Not Alone project, Townsend's music, or just to see what's next from her, you can find the links in the episode's show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Just in case you weren't aware, It Doesn't Look Good is sponsored entirely by Hope Against Hope. If you haven't taken the time to check out our website yet, You can do that at hopeagainsthope.com. And please consider making a tax-deductible donation while you're there. Every dollar donated goes directly to people that have life-threatening illnesses and to make sure we can continue to provide that much-needed financial relief. Thanks.